the Leash Today Talking Sport podcast, brought to you in association with Booth Concrete. Booth Concrete provide high-quality concrete products to Leash and the surrounding counties. Thinking concrete, think Booth Concrete. When quality matters. Hello and welcome to the Leash Today Talking Sport podcast. This is part of our uh, Rugby World Cup series. We're on episode six. I'm Mark Comerford, joined today, as usual, by Alan Hardlett and Stephen Miller. How are you, lads? We're very good. And Stephen's very good, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, I know you were, again, otherwise engaged, Alan. Um, well, I saw it. I saw the match, though, Mark. I saw the match. I was at a comedy gig on Saturday evening. Jack Whitehall, uh, probably my favourite comedian. I don't really go to comedy. Actually, sorry, I don't go to any comedy. He's the only comedian I ever go to look at. And... Um, he straight away, the first thing he came out and said was he apologised to everybody for putting his gig on at the same time as Ireland and Scotland. So um, every time there was a try score, there was there was lads in the crowd who um, were watching the game on their phone. Obviously, they had been dragged <laughs> along by their partners or, or whatever. And it'd be a big roar, ripple up. And Jack would go, I presume they've scored again. So that, would, that carried on through most of the night. And then he uh, came up with the idea that just before the break, he put the game on the screen. So we watched kind of the last minute of the first half. And then um, the fella that he had doing the sound and technical for him, I'd say now wasn't a sports fan and uh, possibly got confused between GAA and rugby in terms of the length of the match. So he told them to put the game on the big screen for the last minute. And your man put it on in the 69th minute. And <laughs> <laughs> so Jack, I was going like at this stage, there's still 10 minutes to go. And he's like, we're not going to watch 10 minutes of it. So turn it off again, turn it back on. Um, as Ireland were in the last minute of normal time, were on the Scottish line and uh, they went over for the try. And sure, everyone went ballistic and the game went off then so that was it and then your man the sound technician came running back onto the stage and said that no no the tries been disallowed I need to put it back on the telly again so uh, yeah very very entertaining evening I didn't see much of the game other than that and I watched it I think at the interval I was able to get about 10 minutes of the second half on my own phone so but Ireland in complete control and like you have to say that that was probably on paper it looked tricky but you predicted Ireland would blow them away and that's what they did yeah well it sounds like there was more drama at uh, your gig than there was in the match because I, I don't I don't want to say it was over after 65 seconds but it, there was a long way back for Scotland once Ireland initially scored that first try James Lowe in the corner in the first minute nearly um, the next 20 minutes was all Scotland but Ireland were so impressive in defence they didn't have the ball for nearly 20 minutes, but Scotland never really looked like scoring. And then after that, they just hit three tries in the last 10, 15 minutes of the half, and that was it. Game over. Uh, what's, the, what's the injury situation now, Mark? Because like, yeah, I saw well, your man, James Ryan, looked to be picked up on camera saying, I think it's broken, which I presume he was referring to his hand. Um, <clears throat> there was pictures of... Mac Hansen and uh, was it Gary Ringrose or Lowe or somebody not training? Yeah, so what's the situation there now? So they've named their team and it is the same starting 15 as started against Scotland. Oh, Mac yeah. Hansen's been cleared to play, Tyg Furlong cleared to play, James Lowe cleared to play. Uh, James Ryan didn't make it, so 
They are talking about him being back for the semis if they get that far. But yeah, I think oh. I think his hand could be maybe not broken, but definitely too bad to play this game. So that suggests it could even be broken. But very lucky that we've got uh, Hansen and Lowe back. I think we mm-hmm. actually would have survived without Tide Furlong. He hasn't been he hasn't been as good as he as he usually is, but he's still better than most number threes in the world. Uh, um, actually, now he's he's back he's back on on track. Do you know what I really enjoyed this week? I was finding out Ronan O'Gara. It was like he was speaking for everybody. Like <laughs> and he was so targeted at Jamie Heathcliff without kind of saying it, but like. It was just, I just thought, yeah, you you understand, you get it. That's the part that annoys people. He, I, I love, I, I didn't like him much as a player, which is a weird thing to say. I always prefer Johnny Sexton. I used to always think he was better now. But Ron Nagara as a pundit and a coach, that speech he gave in French with this thick accent was, I, I've seen that clip, it was brilliant. But I just thought on the, was it off the ball he was on, Stephen, or what, what platform? Yeah, it was, it was on, on, yeah, yeah. Really good. Oh, look, I was a massive O'Gara fan and I was always O'Gara above Sexton. I was one of these people that Mark would hate. I'm from Leinster but supported Munster. Um, <laughs> That's actually, you're describing my father there as well. <laughs> yeah, but you see, sports Munster. Wasn't, wasn't the only one. One of the best sporting occasions I was ever at was the, the 2009 European Cup semi-final in Croke Park between Munster and Leinster. And Munster, if you remember, had beaten Leinster in the 2006 semi-final in Lansdowne Road, which is the home game for Leinster. But the Leinster supporters were all too cool to actually wear their jerseys. They used to all go in their salmon-coloured T-shirts and their sunglasses on the head and that. And they arrived to Lansdowne Road that day and there was like about 45,000 Munster supporters, all in red. And then there was four or 5,000 Leinster supporters that were completely outnumbered. And Munster bet them by 30 points to six. That was the day O'Gara scored a try in the last minute. Now, 36 was a was an unfair score in the end. And I think it was Dennis Hickey who got like, he was marginally in touch in the first half and there was nothing between the teams and he was called back for, for a, um, a line-out. But that was the day that uh, I think O'Gara handed off Malcolm O'Kelly. <laughs> like which, or O'Gara the little out half handing off Malcolm O'Kelly the 6 foot 8 second row and went in under the post for a try in the last couple of minutes and jumped over the hoardings into all the Munster supporters which were behind the goals in the old Lansdowne Road which was a terrace like it was like jumping into Hill 16 and they all absolutely mobbed him and he gave a great interview after that match I used to walk down the streets of Cork and Paulie O'Connell has to walk down the streets of Limerick tomorrow among our people like O'Gara never liked Leinster he never liked Leinster Um and uh, he's an absolutely brilliant pundit, but he was the most, he used to wear his heart on his sleeve so much as a player. And uh, that, that look, I don't think anyone likes Jamie Heaston, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> and like that nonsense that he was coming out with on Twitter. I reckon, someone reckoned that, um, someone reckoned that it was AI generated, that he stuck it into, he stuck it <laughs> into some app. <laughs> Chat GPT. Actually, yeah, I actually played against Jamie Heaston a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For Nays under twelves against Port Leash under twelves, and then at schools level, Ross Gray under thirteens, fourteens, juniors against Newbridge College under under thirteens, and he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, he was walk over lads. Um, he was a fast player. He was a very very good. Even for Ireland, he was a very good player. But he was, he, yeah, he was all he, he was. But I never could warm to him either as a player. Oh. Like um, we used to joke, it was said previously when going to look at the the early professional games or the sort of early 2000s when I was in college in Dublin and, and Leinster would have had the likes of Kearney and Heesop to run breaking through he's always joked that Heesop just he was hang out in the centre like you know away from the hardship like but um, ah, he was a very good player remember I did an interview with him 
when it was he was in DCU as well. He did he did electrical engineering or something in DCU. And I remember doing an interview with him after he was on the Ireland under twenty team that got to the World Cup final in about two thousand and four. And he was a student in DCU when I did journalism in DCU and did a bit of an interview with him and he was sort of saying Remember him saying that he thinks he could be better than Anthony Foley, which I thought was sacrilegious. Like, you know, but it was to be fair to him. Uh, you know, he could see he backed his ability to know, and he had some career out of it afterwards. Born in Jerusalem, so he was. Okay. Yeah, his father was in the army. Yeah. Well, the less said about Jerusalem at the moment, the better. I think in the army's <laughs> over there. Um, I think I was never a fan either. I think if we could have ever gotten. A time where you'd have Stephen Ferris, Sean O'Brien, and Peter O'Mahony fit at once. I don't think Heaslip would have made the team. Yeah, but Heaslip was always fit. He used to brag about that. Like he used to go off on the Lions tours during the summer, and he'd come back to, and he's real cocky. Like he'd come back and they'd say, "How was the Lions tour?" He goes, "Wasn't up on the table once, mate." <laughs> you know, like it was a <laughs> brag that like he was never at the physio's table. Like you know, so um. <laughs> I'm going playing up your stereotypes. Holy God! <laughs> <laughs> but at Look, he was, but look, just about this week. Like, I don't think James Ryan is that massive a loss. I, I, um, and I used to always give out about the Ulster quota, and there always had to be two or three Ulster lads on the team. It was always a thing in my head that, like, let's say, um, Stephen Ferris got injured and couldn't be picked, then they'd pick some lad out in the wing. You know, uh, Andrew Trimble. Andrew Trimble mm. get picked if Stephen Ferris was injured, and they're completely different positions. But Andy Farrell seems to have done away with the Ulster quota. And was There's no, no Ulster players. No Ulster lad, is there? No. Well, Henderson is playing this weekend. Oh yeah, he's he, he definitely. The, yeah, he's definitely there on merit, though. I mean, yeah. uh, he. I think he's been better than Ryan for this World Cup. He has more about him. He has more. He's more explosiveness, and we hear an awful lot about his farm strength, just bringing a different element to the team. Uh, he calls the line out. Ryan isn't there. I don't know if he's a farmer, but that might be a nice way of saying. Something he about has more of a, yeah. he has more of a dog about him than James Ryan does. Definitely, uh, he's just as good a line-out caller. He's more experienced. I think he's more decisive. Uh, he's also a maths genius. Apparently, that was one of the reasons he was put in there was for the permutations that he'd always know when we were going to be or how many scores we'd need. He did. Um, he did some big maths course up in in Queen's University. He's a maths genius, apparently. Yeah. All those rugby lads are fierce, intelligent, or that maybe that's just another stereotype. Like, no, but... that, that 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 is not true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I've never met any of them that are thick anyway, so I don't know. I, mean, I haven't met too many though. It's not the size to be small enough. But but, but, um... but thing, we we keep touching on this thing about them being relatable and all that, and I think I wouldn't hundred percent agree with them. I think see the Leinsterization of the Ireland team has made them probably a little like nobody can warm to sort of the D4 accents or whatever. And mm. back when Ireland came on to, as a respectable rugby team back in the 2000s, it was backbone by Munster. It was O'Connell, it was Jerry Flannery, it was Marcus Horn, it was obviously Foley was there prior to that. Alan Quinlan, who was a mechanic from Tipperary Town, Dennis Leamy, they were all sort of dirty and they were bowled and all that. Like they were, And then you had Stringer and O'Gara, Stringer being so small. And like yeah. O'Gara, the great, the great photograph of, of Stringer and O'Gara on their debut and Mick Galway, who was from Corro in North Kerry, and he had one under each arm, and they're like little children either side of him. Like, uh, um, people love that team, and but look, you just have to look at the TV figures. Like, was there one point? Oh, it's huge. One million. Yeah. TV Massive. audience. The, the, the biggest sports event last year had eight hundred and fifteen thousand yeah. or something, and one yeah, and like yeah, yeah. it'll be even bigger this weekend. 
Oh, it will. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't like count that people. That doesn't count people who watch it in pubs. No. Oh, what was your man's name? I don't know. Peter Clossy. Remember him? Clossy, yeah, yeah. Claw. Okay. Uh, he's Baron Limerick. Yeah. They're, they're he, he, he went bankrupt. Um, but he had a great... Uh, the other great story... All those monster lads were very funny in that. And I, were, I was lucky enough to work in Limerick for a while and I interviewed a few of them and, and got, got to meet a few of them in that. Um, Jerry Flannery had a pub just around the corner from from where the Limerick leader office was. Um the, the great support poor Anthony Foley, like he was such a likable. He was Munster manager, coach uh, when I was working in Limerick Leader, and I interviewed him a couple of times. And he was his father was a had a haulage business, a lorry driver, and he was very friendly with Tommy Tracy in the heat. He was often oh. stopped as lorry in, in Tracy's, and if you Tommy Tracy had, had the Heineken Cup in in Tracy's because he's in with all the hauliers in that play. But um, Anthony Foley, the the time he died was just so sad, but he. Uh, there was a thing in Limerick when Munster broke onto the scene first and they were professional but it still had the amateur ethos and the Munster team behind the cup the old Tolman Park was real sort of it was like the old Moor Park nearly for um, for want of a description but there was some pizza place could be it could have been Domino's or Four Star Pizza or somewhere in Limerick that said if anyone ever scored a hat-trick in the Heineken Cup they'd give them free pizza for life <laughs> and uh, Anthony, Foley, Anthony Foley went out against some poor French team that came with their seconds, you know, that left their good lads at home. Foley went out and scored a hat trick. And they reckon any time they were on the beer in Limerick, Foley would go and call in this free pizza, this free pizza that he was entitled to forever, like, you know, um, eat, eat, them, eat them out of house and home. I think the same place went out of business afterwards. But anyway, this weekend's. <laughs> yeah, this weekend. Um... We have the team in, and like I said, it was the same starting 15 from last week. Only two changes. They're both on the bench. So James Ryan is replaced by Joe McCarthy, which I think is a bit of a surprise. I thought Ryan Baird would have got the nod. He's more experienced. He covers the back row, but Joe McCarthy is an absolute brute. So I think that might be what gets him the nod. The other one is, for me, a little bit concerning because it's Jimmy O'Brien ahead of McCluskey. Uh, so we know Henshaw and Keith Earls are still not fit. Uh, and so I think with him, including Jimmy O'Brien, he's he's definitely taking a precaution there on either Hanson or Lowe not making the full game. And um, call up lads to the team. Like, say, Stockdale, for example. Isn't he back now? And I saw Keane Healy pushing you out around the gym. Are, are they allowed to bring fellas Yeah, you're allowed to bring guys into the squad during the competition. Okay. I think Stockdale has been given enough chances and he's proven he's not quite at the level as uh, other players in his position. And I mean, you but saw Jordan, Gibson Park. Jordan Larimore, he was good. Yeah, he, he never got the faith either from, he never got it from Josh Smith and he's never really had it from Andy Farrell. I'm a big fan of Jordan Larimore. Met him at the last World Cup. I think he's a a class player who brings something different, but yeah. what he brings to us is not really he was, the game I saw we he was play. playing a pre-season friendly for Leinster against Ulster in Navan there last week, so it'd be a bit of a step up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Stockdale or Larmore have the defence that we need, that we rely on. I think a 70% Mac Hansen or a 70% James Lowe offers us a bit more at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think Jimmy O'Brien Jimmy O'Brien went Jimmy O'Brien went to school in Newbridge College. Very good, very good schools player. Yeah, and he covers a lot of positions. A lot of positions. The only thing is, he hasn't played since the Samoa game a week or two before the World Cup started. 
he'll definitely play Saturday because there's not a hope in hell they'll all get through with this one. Without, no, definitely. Oh. He'll play, I'd say, at least 40 minutes. Um, But, you know, he's a class player and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Mac Hansen or James Lowe dropping out of the team an hour before kickoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see... I could see there being maybe something of a dummy team about this starting 15 because he named it so early and possibly Jimmy O'Brien starting and McCluskey coming back onto the bench. Nice. Just to throw a little spanner in the works and throw ah, the yeah, no, that, 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 that wouldn't overly surprise who, who do you think is most likely to miss out then? Probably. Himself. Yeah, but I think you could play with with one wow. eye out in the wing easier than because Mac Hansen's problem is a calf. Yeah. And a calf muscle out on the wing is going to restrict you. But um, Ireland, 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 slight favorites, position, Ireland are more than slight favourites. I think they're four point favourites um, the last time I checked it. I actually, think- I think looking at the team, and I like I said, I rewatched the Scotland game last night because I watched it live in the pub. So it's a, it's a different thing it's watching count. it on the couch. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to win by about 10 points. I'm oh, very geez. confident. <laughs> I'm very confident. Um, I think we are better than New Zealand, man for man and as a team. Yeah, no, like like that beating that Ireland gave Scotland last week is the type of beating that New Zealand would give to a team, traditionally. And I know anyone exactly. who listens to any of the podcast, I always go on about tradition. It is worth something. And... um. I actually have a feeling that Ireland could win. I don't think about 10 points. I can't, I can't see that happening. But I actually think Ireland could beat New Zealand, but not win the World Cup. Yeah, because like the other quarterfinal, that France and South Africa, I think the, the winner could come from that because they're two unbelievable teams. And South Africa are bringing back Pollard, bringing in Lucanio Am. If anything, South Africa are getting better. Mm-hmm. Dupont is back for France. That'll be interesting. Um... I think that game of the four quarterfinals is the hardest to call. Have Ireland beat New Zealand four out of the last five times they played them? Five out of the last six. Five out of the last six, yeah. Including twice in New Zealand. Like That's the type of form that England showed in 2002-2003 before they won the World Cup in 2003. Um, and that was the last team that won, the last Northern Hemisphere team that won yeah. before us in New Zealand was the England team that won the World Cup. Yeah. We ha- that's they're the sort of landmarks you have to be hitting. Ireland have hit the landmarks that you need to hit prior to taking out these big teams. It's whether they can do it or not. The, 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 the other like possibility is that Ireland beat New Zealand a bit like the bet France in 2015 and then are so banjacks afterwards that they could be taken out by Wales the following week. Six days later, it's on a Friday night if they get to the semi-final. Yeah, well, Wales and Wales or Argentina is, is the same day as us, so they'll have the same turnaround as us. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as clear-cut either that Wales are going to win that one. Um, I don't think Wales were necessarily tested at all in their pool, and Argentina have been steadily improving, so I think that one's a bit of a coin toss. I'm probably leaning towards Argentina winning that. Yeah. So you're looking at Ireland Argentina in one semi-final, and... No, no, I couldn't bring myself to predict an England win. England were absolutely abysmal against Samoa. They had no right Fiji to win the game. Fiji couldn't beat Portugal, though. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, but Fiji, Fiji have this mentality about them, which I think is affects them. They knew they didn't need to win. They knew a losing bonus point was all they needed. 
They dropped six of their players. Oh, okay. And they wouldn't have any depth. Oh. No, no, they don't. Um, well, I actually fair. think Ireland should have done something like that against Scotland. Mm. In in hindsight, <laughs> I might have been doing it at the time. In, but, in uh, hindsight, yeah, we would have beaten them even if we'd made three or four changes. Yeah. But yeah, you, you can't. And, look, you, and you I can't, think it made, it made a statement to just absolutely spank them out the door in the first half. Yeah. It really did. Because you can talk all you want about France and New Zealand putting big numbers on Italy, but Italy are nowhere near the level of Scotland. Like, Scotland are legitimately the fifth best team in the world. A million times better than England, Argentina or Wales. I have a fear of England. And I I, I actually, I, typically, I, I actually don't mind English rugby at all. I actually have a bit of a, a fondness for them. English rugby now, not English soccer or anything. <laughs> I like that 2003 team. I love Johnny Sex or Johnny Wilkinson. Um, their supporters, when they come over here for internationals, are for the most part incredibly decent, good humoured. Um, and I, I, I prefer England than Wales rugby. I think the Welsh rugby crowd are a fucking pain of the highest order. Uh, well, I have a lot of good friends and family <laughs> in England, but I don't know which would give me more pleasure. I don't know which would give me more pleasure, seeing Fiji beat England or seeing either France or South Africa absolutely destroy England. But either way, I'm not worried about them. Okay. I think they've been abysmal and they were blessed by the group, just this as well. Is, this is the start of the... It hasn't been a great World Cup at all, though, up to now. There hasn't been any... Apart from the very first game between France and New Zealand and the Ireland-South Africa were two great games. They were great games. But I suppose I'm... I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm getting a bit weary of pool games because you know once bitten twice shy in that like it doesn't really it only decided the it only decided the finishing positions it didn't really decide or didn't really it hasn't impacted the competition yet those games so a lot of that's down to the draw as well with the top four teams all being on the one side it didn't matter so much mm. who won the groups and who came second you know in any of the four groups um, but I do think you know it heated up last weekend especially Portugal beating Fiji the France or the Japan Argentina game was brilliant. We were amazing. England yeah, almost Fiji, lost. Fiji, Fiji beating Portugal and Japan and Argentina is for like the the anoraks like you, Mark. It's not for the wider. <laughs> well, I, I actually saw Portugal and Fiji. I saw more of that game than I did of the because when I came home from that was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So when I came home from from the Harland that was on that was on the telly and Portugal were brilliant. Portugal are better than anything I've ever seen the Italians do for the last. <laughs> 20 years how in the name of god are they like where do they go now after playing small b competition why don't they get the chance to play off with against italy to get into the six nations next year or whatever like they, they, they've done more in that one game than i saw the italians do ever and their their skill level the way they played it was like watching a watching a soccer team play rugby they were absolutely brilliant so they were but i'd say italy have beaten france ireland wales scotland at different stages over the last 20 years anyway and South Africa and Australia. We get to play them, which is the key part. But we get to play them, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. They had feck all to it on, on from most of the most of the time. Um, this is the start of it. This is the proper start of it now. The, the the knockout games, and you will have decent games and proper cup rugby and that. Um, I, I just just uh, I I was in Port Leash on Saturday evening at about about seven o'clock or so, and I was actually surprised by the amount of people going around in Ireland jerseys. Heading to various pubs in Port Leash to watch it. Now I hate watching matches in a pub. Like, hate it. Absolutely 
be one of the last things I do was watch a match in a pub because my wife Emily says you're very annoying that way and oh, I have to hear what the commentators are saying you have to hear what they're saying at half time I might have to switch over to another channel to hear what they're saying watching a match in a pub does not appeal to me in the slightest well this would be sacrilege this would be sacrilege to you then I missed Ian Henderson's try because I was off ordering a pint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kind of be that way too I no, not with rugby. I actually watched the Six Nations that deciding Sunday in the Woolshed in in Dublin, uh, and it's great crack. But that's because I'm not like. But but if if United were playing, I, yeah, I'd rarely watch them in the pub for that exact reason. I like yeah. to hear what's being said and and all that. Like, so yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. That that would be kind of my same thought on it as well. It's like when I go to a GA match, I have to be in for the minor game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, full value. <laughs> Yeah. Well, will we will we give our predictions so for the four quarter finals? I think we've we've uh, coloured our maths, but like let's have a let's have a go, Stephen. Who are you going to go with first for the four quarters? Okay, I'm going for Ireland, England, France, and Wales. It's going to be a sort of mini Six Nations to finish out the competition. I'm going for Ireland to win by something like maybe twenty four eighteen, and to get maybe two broken arms, a concussion, a popped eye socket, <laughs> and. Uh, um, Maybe another lad to have a feck and something stuck into his eye or something. So Ireland to win, but to be absolutely walking wounded this time next week. Well, just I'll make it interesting. So I'll go with Ireland by 10, Argentina, Fiji and South Africa. Genie. <laughs> just for a bit of colour there. And Alan, our new colour commentator. Our new colour commentator, yeah. I go France, Wales, uh, England. And New Zealand. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. now it's not a massive leap of faith to be picking New Zealand to beat Ireland. Like. <laughs> no, I just you wonder. You know, when you talk about competition going into another phase, Ireland have been so good. Do they have another level to go to? And there's the, the worry I have is the two wingers because if they both pull up, what do we have to replace them? But that's the one area of the team that is, I think, weak, and they don't have a lot of talent in the wing areas. So if them guys don't make it, be worried. It's not it's not a vintage New Zealand team by any means. Absolutely not a vintage New Zealand. And you could see New Zealand winning this and not win the World Cup and flopping afterwards or something like this. The loudmouth minority on Twitter will be delighted to burn their bet anyway. Yeah, which I don't like. I don't like that. No, it's like, no, it's horrific. Like, if you're not interested, don't watch it. Like. New Zealand do have magic though. The two Barretts, Damien McKenzie, Ardy Savea. Oh, yeah. Richie Mwanga. They have magic. Is Mwanga that good? I don't rate him. I don't really understand how he gets in ahead of Bowden Barrett. I don't rate him as highly as Barrett, but I think he's more consistent. And he has a bit of a more reliable kicking game. Bowden Barrett might be a bit wild. He might have suited an older New Zealand team, a better New Zealand team. I think he's he's almost too good for his own good, if you know what I mean, in that team. I think he's better than what's around him and it kind of it draws him back a bit like Finn Russell. Yeah. Uh, the risk of sounding like a real old lad. Like he, he's no Dan Carter. <laughs> no, but nobody's <laughs> a Dan Carter. No. He's a one of a uh, Local rugby mark before we finish up. There's a huge game on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, a change um, to the fixture list. So it was supposed to be on Sunday afternoon, but Port Arlington travelling to Toker to play Port Leash is now 
uh, 5.30 on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. I assume that is so the lads can finish up and go to the pub and watch the, the All Blacks game. Um, but uh, yeah, there, that there, will be... There's a day in... Um, there's an event in uh, Port Leash Rugby Club on Saturday for Will Sherlock, who died earlier this year and who played, played rugby with Port Leash for 20 plus years. Probably, probably I'd say 30 plus years when you count in underage and that. Um, any sport organisation with a bit of sense this week, I see, this week will make sure that there's no games clashing with the, with that on Saturday evening. I see like there, there's only one GA game of note on Saturday in Leash, and it's at five o'clock, mm. which is which is a common sense, um, common sense thing. Like I know if you're involved in a big game, you don't give a damn about anything else that's going on. But it's probably the casual supporters and and that that um that you lose by by going up against a global sporting event. So. Yeah, and like you were saying, the TV figures have been unbelievable and they're going to be even higher this weekend. Probably going to have over one and a half million people watching this game. Mm-hmm. Not including the packed pubs. So yeah, it's probably probably best to avoid that, the clash. That Portage Port Harrington game, Mark, how, how many rounds have they played in the league now? They played uh, two games each and they've both won both of their games. Okay. Uh, they've got some bonus points. They're both looking good. And I'd say the two of them will be vying for promotion. Um, so it's going to be a big game um, early in the season. It might be. It'll probably be a bigger game when they meet later on in the year in Port Arlington. But this will be a great game. When's the last time the Fed one, Oh, We talked about this last week. Did we? <laughs> they don't play. Very, they don't play very often. Um, they play last year in the Hosey Cup, but in the league, oh, yeah. in the league, it is a very long time since they would have played yeah. each other. They played, they played each other in the Towns Cup the week before Leash Day started, about the third of February two thousand seventeen, in in the Lee Road in Port Arlington. Um, I remember you saying that. All right, yeah. And, and I remember Alan. I was telling the story. Remember you wearing your blue. Oh, jumper? Martin Murphy. Yes, Martin yes, Murphy. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> ah, yeah. I'm back now. I'm back now. I do remember that story. Yeah. So, like the the, the thing with it is, though, like, they wouldn't have obviously played in the same division in the league then for a long time. Uh, they have up and down a little bit. They have played a bit in the league against each other. Mm. And like, if would Portage Mark be the favourites to win that game? Not in my opinion. No, I think Port will win it. Um... Port Leash just coming down from Division 2 last year I think they should be the favourites but I don't think they are it, just okay. purely asking me I think Port will win I think they have the edge well you, are, you have better authority on it than me and Stephen do anyway you, you see these games well so. I'm a Port Leash man although I'm not a member yeah. anymore because not I'm, anymore, Gary no. I'm a Gary Owen I'm a Gary Owen man <laughs> <laughs> right I think we'll leave it at that lads Talk next week. Hopefully, we'll still be laughing and smiling because if uh, if Ireland lose, there might not be another episode of this podcast. I know we'll continue. We'll continue until the final yeah. is over. We'll see. I'm only we... getting into it now. I'm only getting into it now. I'm getting to know the lingo. You know, I'll be talking about yeah, oh, I'll be on about wraparounds and rooking <laughs> and whatever else they did we doing in there. I'll, I'll be all over. As Musk, as Muskeen said when he started playing rugby, he said he was. Jumping in the line outs. He was jumping in the scrums and pushing in the line outs. Another <laughs> <laughs> uncle of mine said one time he was going to look at the, the Thai team of the 1980s in Towns Cup matches and he just, he was, he, the whole thing of being able to get a pint or a whiskey and come out and drink it on the sideline watching the match. Like, this was heaven, like, you know? And uh, he said that the, the club rugby in the 1980s now would have been grim enough, I'd imagine. And um, he used to They'd all stay in the heap, which was a scrum or a rookie called it. He all the heap, you know. They'd all stay in the heap, and then 
they might get a free and, and your man had, your man had kicked the free and that's the big kick, kick three frees in the game and they win it, you know. <laughs> Nine six frees. He was all the game at Klingo. Um but but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that mark. So talk to you next week, lads. Thanks very much. The Leash Today Talking Sport Podcast. Brought to you in association with Booth Concrete. Booth Concrete provide high-quality concrete products to Leash and the surrounding counties. Thinking concrete, think Booth Concrete. When quality matters.